Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You're listening to The Dig. What is up, Nuggets fans? Welcome to a special edition of The Dig. I'm your host, Nick. I'm joined by Jeremy, and we're talking some Star Wars and Nuggets today. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm doing pretty well, although I'm a little bit scared because I've kind of fallen off the Star Wars map. Um, I'm probably about 10 years behind, like, really caring about much, so... We'll have to see how deep you actually go here. Ten years behind? I mean, yeah, like I uh I mean so we're I guess pre pre Disney Star Wars. I, I mean, I was really into the original trilogy, and then I was kinda into like more than the normal person, way more than a normal person into the uh pre trilogy. But mm-hmm. since then, I mean I've seen the new movies like once or twice maybe um i don't even you know i don't know we'll just see how far we go but i'm kind of scared because i know that you have quite a star wars following it's something that you it's a dialogue a world dialogue that you find yourself in um, <laughs> it is pretty sure i'm gonna make a fool out of myself there but where i i, uh, don't, no, I don't think it matters yeah surely i don't make a fool out of myself when it comes to the nuggets right so no, that'll never. be fine. Yeah, and that's something you do know a ton about. So yeah, and you've you've never one time misspoken or said anything stupid about the Nuggets. So uh, it goes for both of us. Um, yeah, I uh, for those of you that follow me on Twitter, you your timeline gets blown up with more Star Wars <laughs> discussion from me than than sports discussion for sure. Uh, I am a I am a I'm a, I'm a Star Wars super fan. I I always have been as from as far back as I can remember. And so this is, yeah, pretty much the closest thing to a like a legit holiday for me. And I'm super excited for the the conclusion of the whole thing. Um, it's it's kind of getting mixed reviews at the moment. We're recording this on Wednesday. Um, about half the professional reviews are in, and it's um, it's fairly fairly mixed. So we'll see. Uh, Last Jedi got really good critical reviews and was much more mixed um, in the fan base. Uh, that's putting it mildly. Where's um, the worst but, trolls at? Is it the NBA the worst trolls? or is it Star Wars? Man, dude, I feel like it's Star Wars. Like, I I can't... <laughs> things in fandoms like this get so nasty. Like, you, if, you, if you say any kind of opinion that somebody disagrees with, it is not... It is not, oh, that's... That's not an opinion I agree with. That's not the response. The response is, "Oh, so you like you you don't you've never even seen the movies, right? Like, oh, you have no <laughs> like literally no idea what's going on on screen. Like you you don't even know who Luke Skywalker is." I see. Like that that's the response. Like um and it so it gets so toxic so quickly and it turns into like a, you know, who's a bigger fan competition uh really quickly where then you you just have to start throwing little like anecdotes from like the extended universe, expanded universe. See right there. I'm already gonna get laughed off off the show now. I said extended universe <laughs> instead of expanded universe. Uh, all the real Star Wars fans it's have already tuned out now. From from each side too. It's it's already getting a little a little too deep. <laughs> right. At least for me. So I, yeah. But like the in the Nuggets fandom, at least, I mean, people are much more sensitive to that. Um, I feel like I sports well, is like. Either guys really into stats, and when I say guys, I mean everybody, um, really into stats or not into stats, just into general generalities. And there's trolls on yeah. both sides of the fence there. 
but it's pretty straightforward. Like anytime somebody's going after somebody else, somebody's going to be swinging the big bat of stats, and somebody else is going to be swinging the big bat of, I don't know what you want to call it. Um, yeah, opinions. no, I totally agree. I, th- yeah, I think there is a lot analogous about the debate over how important stats are in determining you know quality in players um and how important things like plot holes are in a star wars movie in the fandom for example Uh um like there's there's this whole thing that's developed online that just absolutely drives me bonkers um (laughs) and it's this it's this idea that like there's this there's this this comeback now that everybody uses right Ooh. If, if you like something they don't like they give you the oh well it's fine for you to have that subjective opinion but the thing is objectively bad right so <laughs> yeah it's fine oh oh i see so so you that like just something that's so bad mad. that's fine yeah that's <laughs> fine but you see i'm able to point out places in the script that i disagree with choices that were made Therefore, the film is objectively bad. And so you like something that's bad. Like, that's this comes up over and over again. I can't even tell you. There's all these guys. Why aren't on we YouTube using that, that in the like, NBA? Well, that's so this is the equivalent in the NBA is oh, so you like X player? Yeah, but his plus minus is bad. So you like a bad player, right? It like it's I have the the objective stat, I have the fact to back me up. You just have your gushy, you know, your feelings. Yeah. Your eye test. Yeah. And that's the equivalent. And the problem is the truth really in, in all of these things lies somewhere in the middle. Like, yeah, there there are objective ways of analyzing things, but most of the time, objectivity doesn't relate to quality. Like, it's more of a descriptive tool. Like, I mean, this is especially true in arts of any kind. And film is one of those. Like, really the only objective things you can say about film are things that like describe things like the director does this technique to try to get this effect. Yeah. Whether that's good or bad is really up to the individual viewer, whether you like that or not, whether it connects with you or not. All and right. I, in, in sports, there is a little bit more, um, there's a little bit more objectivity because we have a, a final score, right? So right. one team loses, one team wins, you know, uh, one player averages 30 points a game and, and teams double team him and triple team him. You know, he's clearly a better player than the guy that averages 10 points a game. And maybe, you know, you just like his game better. But there there are more kind of objective standards, I think, to measure by. Yeah. And and everything's played out for real. It's like it's not a writer trying to keep track of different things going on other than the Patriots wearing the Super Bowl after September 11th. Uh, everything is real that happens in sports. the theme so uh there's actually a surprising number of ways that we can connect star wars and the nuggets all right i wouldn't have even thought this until we went about trying to do a uh, a special edition here but um we've got a a fair amount to compare so we're gonna deep dive into star wars and nuggets simultaneously we'll see if this works it's gonna probably get convoluted but it's star wars so of course you can, it's gonna get you can dive i'm gonna do a millennium falcon barrel roll into the next segment <laughs> sweet all right we're gonna start with rise of skywalker themed either or all right jeremy more likely to be redeemed jeremy grant or Kylo Ren. Okay, I'm not going to talk Kylo Ren stats, but let's for a second talk some <laughs> Jeremy Grant stats. So, uh, I'm going to throw out a few numbers out there. We're going to talk points, we're going to talk rebounds, and we're going to talk efficiency. Uh, 11 points a game, 50% shooting, 40% three-point, three and... rebounds a game. This is our backup power forward of two years ago, Trey Lyles, who is, (laughs) who is having had a better season uh, up until this point than Jeremy Grant is now. Their their stats are very similar across the board, except Jeremy Grant is actually playing two minutes more a game 
and coming up with two points less a game on only 46% field goal percentage. That's four, four points from 50% to, to 46%. And even his three point is less than Trey Lyles was shooting. So I just, I, I see a lot of people really jumping on the bandwagon right now because Jeremy Grant's three point shot is kind of hitting. And I, I'm just telling everybody, watch out for Trey Lyles. We have Trey Lyles again. And it's not even like Trey Lyles. It's like Trey Lyles light, a guy not even as good as Trey. So, Oh, that's brutal. So <laughs> he's better than Trey but, Lyles. That's absurd. I, I do think that his three point shot coming back is more than norm. So, so we're talking about redemption here. Um, I, I, Here's the thing. Redemption is a strong word. So uh, to me, there's two, two facets of redemption. One is, of course, first going way, way down, which both Jeremy Grant has and Kylo Ren did. And then the second point is going way, way up, like doing something incredible, not just evening out, but doing something incredible. So I'm going to give this one to Kylo Ren. I think he has a better chance of redemption. I think Jeremy Grant has a better chance of, at, at balancing out but that's not redemption. He's not going to do anything significant for us. So Kylo Ren, redemption. What about you? Yeah, I'm going with Kylo Ren also. Um, I agree with you that I don't think we're going to get a whole lot more out of Jeremy Grant this year than, you know, maybe the good stuff that we've seen the last few games. That might be kind of his ceiling on this team. And that's still pretty good. Um, He's gotten his three-point shooting up over 40%, like you said, just from basically like two good shooting games. Uh, and that's nice to see. I'm still not sure about his fit on this team, but I think, you know, Star Wars generally, um, you know, if we go with the, the mainline trilogy movies, it's a, it's a redemption story. I mean, the, the, the prequels in the original trilogy were basically the rise, the fall and the redemption of Anakin Skywalker. That's essentially the story. Uh, Kylo Ren being the new Skywalker who's fallen, Seems likely that Mr. J.J. Abrams, who after seeing Force Awakens uh, appears that he doesn't like to take huge risks with the mythos of Star Wars, probably will have Kylo Ren be redeemed in some shape or fashion in uh, Rise of Skywalker. Fair enough. All right. Next, uh, Next question here. More likely to survive to the end, Malik Beasley or Rey? Oh, this one's tough for me because I kind of think they're both done. Um, Malik Beasley is gone. I'm I'm pretty sure. I I don't have any inside information. Obviously, this is the dig, but uh, it sure seems to be the case. He hasn't been getting much playing time. A lot of rumors. It seems like the Nuggets have made it clear that he is available. So if somebody's willing to trade for him. I think the nuggets are a willing partner there. Um, so I think it's pretty likely that he does not survive to the end of the season. Um, will Ray survive to the end of the story? I, I think we may see, see Ray die in, in this movie um, or it, some sort of forced death where she's not really dead, but you know, she, she, she literally dies. Um, just because I, I we haven't really seen the main character die yet, you know, there's sort of always been these happy endings. Uh, you know, famously in Return of the Jedi, uh, Han Solo, um, Harrison Ford really wanted Han Solo's character to be killed off. Felt like that sacrifice would be really helpful to the story, and George Lucas wouldn't do it because he thought it would hurt toy sales. So I'm I'm kind of hoping that these new filmmakers maybe take a take a chance and and kill off one of our main heroes. Uh, in you know, it has to be that done, be risky. done well and for a purpose, but I, I think I'd be down be for that because that is bold and it, that is something that classically you don't do. So it would be interesting if it's done right. I guess you, you got to say, um, mm-hmm. otherwise it would just be wasted. So, um, yeah, as long as it's not a gimmick. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, so more likely to survive to the end. I'm going to absolutely go with Ray. I, I think Malik Beasley, I, Malik Beasley's end came five months ago in a hotel lobby. Okay. He got, he got checked <laughs> oh. out by somebody else physically. And then mentally he checked out 
you know, from the first game to start the season. So his end has already come and gone. Uh, he's just uh, uh, he's just an idea at this Dead point. Dead man walking. And the idea we're about to get rid of. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, 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 to me, this isn't even close. Malik Beasley. All right. Who will have a bigger role in their respective stories? MPJ or Lando Calrissian? This is a really good one to me. The last one I thought was the easiest question in the world. This one, like, honestly, I'm not about to count down the list of significant people in Star Wars and where Lando falls on that. But it does feel like it's right around the same area where we see MPJ falling on minutes. Um, The thing is, if we're talking about where the role gets, that's where I think it's completely MPJ. That's my vote for this question. Um, I, I, you know, it, it sounds like there's been a lot of pressure um, from management to to get MPJ on the floor, um, to get him more minutes. And, um, you know, we're in trade season now at, at a year where we potentially could win the championship. And I, I just look back and, and what did what did Tim Conley do the last time Malone wasn't playing Conley's boy um, enough? He traded the guy in front of him. It was it was Moutier. Um, he, he shipped out Moutier and Jamal Murray all of a sudden had, you know, 30 minutes a game more than he could handle. So um, I wouldn't be at all surprised to see room cleared for Michael Porter Jr. And who knows? There's a chance this guy is starting for this team next year. Honestly. There, there might be a better chance that MPJ is starting for a team next year than Malone is even still around. <laughs> like, I don't actually believe that. Really? I, I don't actually believe that. I, I think yeah. everything will settle out. But I'm just saying, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of pressure on MPJ to be um, a hero for the Nuggets in the future. And and I think there's going to be need to be a little give on Malone's part for that. So, you know, we'll never see a Lano Calrissian. Well, wait, movie? You know, I or, 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 or for him to step up in no. like, the trilogy, he's, the main storyline, yeah, he's in the in way the that MPJ is going to step he's in up the new one, yeah. in uh, the Nuggets storyline. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think he's just going to be in the new movie for a little bit of fan service. I, I, I really doubt he's going to play any kind of major role. Another way to ask this question could have been who's going to get more minutes mm-hmm. <laughs> moving forward, like MPJ's average minutes per game or total minutes that Lando's on screen and. Rise of Skywalker. Um, I, I I would take MPJ in that for sure too. I mean, I think we might be turning a corner here with with MPJ. I th- you know Malone has come out publicly and talked about the the talent that's there. I mean, he has through the season, but he he's definitely made an effort to try to play him more. Uh, yeah, he's had a really quick hook with him, which has been, in my opinion, hypocritical. Uh, there's plenty of guys on this team who make defensive mistakes. Michael Porter Jr. makes one mistake and he, he gets yanked out of the game. Um, and I, I understand there's like some tough love happening here. And, and Malone's got this kind of, I don't know, boomer mentality about earning your way on the team. There's something to be said for that. I don't mean to be totally dismissing it. I mean, I, th- I think this is a good team that already had established players. You don't want to just hand some, you know, six ten guy a spot just because he can hit threes. In right, practice. and I'm I'm cool with but, that as long as it's a slippery slope. The second that that Malone loses MPJ's um, respect, that's that's when it changes. And so if Malone's able to kind of whip him into shape with that, then good because obviously he needs it. Like we see it on the court, he needs it. So I'm sure even off the court, he needs it. Um, but the second that it becomes to the point where it's like almost abusive. Um, if MPJ checks out on Malone and then, and then it, instead of being disciplined, Malone just turns into, you know, like bad attitude on MPJ. That's, that's where it gets scary. And, and honestly, that's as much up to Michael Porter Jr. As it is up to Malone. Um, and I hope that Michael Porter Jr. Has the the strength of character to uh, continue to look up to Malone as a strong coach. But um you know, we'll see. Things are trending up, so I, I'm not too, too worried, but something to keep our eyes on. Yeah, I'm I'm just at this point willing. I, I've been there most of the season, really, uh, or even in, back into the preseason, but I'm just willing to deal with some of these mistakes that he makes because the upside is, is just so massive. Um, and he's just – he is the player this team needs. You know, like we talk about 
you know, who could we bring in in a trade and stuff? I mean, I, ideally, who I would bring in a trade is Michael Porter Jr. Like three years from now, right. I, I can't imagine a better fit on this team. Uh, so can we get him there quicker? Can we, you know, or can we advance him quicker? And that's not going to happen in practice. I, I don't think. Uh, now Malone might be seeing things that are, you know, lead him to believe that MPJ is maybe not putting in the work that he needs to maybe, maybe in practice, he's got a bad attitude on defense. You know, maybe he's, uh, I don't know, maybe he's not a, a very teachable person at the moment. And so he's proving a point in game. I, that's not the impression I get just from the interviews he's had. And, 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 you know, it seems like the teammates have his back uh, in these games they are rooting for him. I don't think that would be happening if he was acting like a diva behind the scenes. Um, so I don't know, but I, I think, I think moving forward, MPJ, if the Nuggets are, are really legitimately going to make a serious run for a championship this year, I th- I think at this point with with the way that Beasley has fallen back, MPJ has to play a, a significant role on the bench. Yeah, and I think it, it, I keep harping and, on um, I'm not concerned about improving the Nuggets. I'm just concerned about the hurdle that we have of Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, and LeBron James. And if we don't make a trade for somebody who can handle them um, or at least uh, match up with them, I guess might be a better phrasing. Um, then Michael Porter Jr. is honestly, as much as he has all these mental errors and stuff like that, he's physically the only guy who could take care of that job. So it's something where if we don't see a trade for this that type of player, honestly, Michael Porter Jr. needs to start getting like 25 minutes a game in my book because it's going to be tough to watch him make those mental lapses, but we need him in the playoffs um, as well-experienced as possible uh, to overcome that that hurdle. That's the only to me in my mind. That's the only hurdle between us and a championship, or at least to a, a conference uh, finals. Well, NBA finals, conference win, conference championship. Yeah. There you go. That was hard. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. All right, uh, on to the next question. Uh, Two questions left here. More likely to come to a tragic end, the Nuggets playoff dreams or the Millennium Falcon? So I've I've thought for a while that at some point the Falcon probably needs to get destroyed and yeah it's been this um symbol right <sighs> that's cross generations now uh, in the trailer alone we have three different people piloting the Falcon in this movie coming up I mean you see Lando piloting it uh Ray sitting in the cockpit looking like she's flying at some point. And I, I'm pretty sure we see Poe flying it. Um, I'm wondering though, if the filmmakers might keep the Falcon around as kind of like, you know, if, if some characters get killed off and Abrams has been willing to kill main characters before he obviously killed off Han Solo himself in the force awakens. Um, I'm thinking maybe the Falcon does does stay around as as much as I I kind of like the idea of that symbol getting destroyed in in some sort of important way maybe Kylo Ren destroying the symbol that's like you know symbol of his father the last vestige of his father or something there could be something cool there but um, I'm gonna say it's more likely that the Nuggets playoff dreams come to a tragic end I just think that because this team is so young uh, because there's still some kind of wonky lineup issues and because of the matchup issues you described earlier in the West, if the Nuggets get a bad 
matchup in the first round and maybe have an injury compounded with, I don't know, a couple of bad games by Jokic or something, you know, we could be looking at a team that gets swept in the first round of the playoffs or something pretty, pretty easily. I, I don't, I'm not predicting that will happen, but I think that's probably more likely than the iconic ship of all iconic ships um, <laughs> getting destroyed. Um, I was thinking actually today on Denver Stiff social media, I was being chatted up about, you know, what happens if the Nuggets don't make the playoffs, which was a scary thing to think of. Mm. <laughs> Everything falls oh, apart, honestly, if that happens. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I mean, that too. But uh, so, And so in that case, I, I go with the Millennium Falcon. To me, it, it's almost impossible that the Nuggets don't make the playoffs. But if if the Nuggets playoff dreams is something more like, um, you know, ch- championship, uh, that definitely changes it. I'm just going to go ahead. I don't even know. My mind would would go crazy trying to consider anything too deep. I'm just going to say Millennium Falcon uh, has a more likely chance to come to a tragic end than the Nuggets uh, push for the playoffs here. I'll phrase it like that. All right. What franchise is more likely to attain a satisfying ending this year? Nuggets? Or Star Wars. So is is this Star Wars? I think I heard that this is being directed by J.J. Abrams. It is. And he did the one to to he did the one before last, right? Yeah, he did the Force Awakens. Okay. Yeah, that one was awesome. Which you liked a lot. And so I have a strong feeling that that we're gonna have a satisfying ending if he's behind it. So I'm gonna go with Star Wars here. Um the Nuggets have a chance. At a championship, which is more than we can say, and you know, maybe you could say that ten years ago with our, our push to Western Conference Finals, but uh, it's nothing near what I think J.J. Abrams can do for to close out Star Wars. I suppose it depends on how we define satisfying ending for the Nuggets. I mean, satisfying ending for Star Wars is really go- going to be largely subjective and we're already kind of seeing that it's it's dividing uh the critics for sure uh we're recording this on wednesday the 18th uh, day before the movie comes out and uh, at the moment i think it's got like a 60 percent on rotten tomatoes uh there's still a bunch of reviews to come in so i don't know where that will end up oh jeez. the review yeah the reviews are pretty mixed right now and a lot of the complaints are basically it doesn't do anything new and it's just a lot of fan service. That's what I loved about which the Force Awakens. <laughs> right. So that this this is my point is what the critics aren't liking about it may end up be meaning that it's going to be much more favorably received by the fans than The Last Jedi was. Gotcha. Which went out of its way to like not give people fan service. Like Oh, you you have a bunch of theories about who Snoke is? Cool. We're going to just uh, dismiss those. Um, <laughs> you have a bunch of theories about who Ray's parents are? Cool. You're wrong. They're nobody. It's so mean. Uh, I loved it. Yeah, I, I, I'm a, I, I was all about it. I love Last Jedi. Don't at me. Um, no, I, I really I love that movie. But <laughs> I was really pulling for Luke Skywalker to be to be Snoke, to be the actual like Snoke is just some like you know, false image that Skywalker's using. I was really pulling. I I had a really laid out thing. I was having people like call me up because I started like going through things that happened in, in the force awakens and how that could line up with this. And I started having people like have me, uh, like I had to write it all out and people want me to email it to them (laughs) so they could forward it to people they were talking to. Right. I really liked that idea. And I was just, all right. So it has not been 10 years since you've been into star Wars. If you're writing out elaborate Snoke theories and, 2015 or whatever that was 20 yeah 2014 i don't know whatever it was yeah and you liked rogue one a lot that was that was within the last six years yeah i liked rogue one a lot because it was you know them dying on the beach that it it was it was incredible okay the movie was absolutely incredible 10 out of 10 for me even without that but what that did for me was it brought it to almost like a saving private ryan level where it's something deeper it's it destroys the veil of fantasy and cuts right home at um, human reality, which sucks. You know, death being something always down the line. And and so to to see those two on the beach, you know, watching their their death coming for them was not something I was ever expecting. And and 
not that that would even change the 10 out of 10 like rating you would give a movie but for me it just mm -hmm. added one extra dimension where i was like wow this this just went even farther or further um yeah no i i totally agree with you and I, but see so another th this is weird because as time's gone on rogue one has been increasingly criticized by critics as being a sort of hollow movie I and i just don't agree yeah like i I it, I don't see it as just a bunch of fan service. You know, the the Vader scene, the hallway scene gets uh, kind of panned as just being this sort of like empty fan service sort of thing. I, I could thought see it was that. phenomenal. Like it was awesome and it was serving the fans. But the rest of the movie to me yeah. was the greatest critical movie of, you know, what a critic would like of any of them because of that human depth that I think the others, you know, if you're just walking, walking through a storyline that's based on the, the Greek myth, you know, there's nothing critical about that that's significant and this was the the first movie to me in the star wars series to actually break from that and and to scratch it deeper things so that's that's absolutely crazy to me maybe it was that that darth vader scene where maybe they were going that way towards like critically appreciating it and then they're like oh now you're just serving us you know a cheesesteak you know we know we're gonna like it but nah, there's nothing of, great about a it. a lot of it is based in now nah, a lot of a lot of the criticism is based in the character arcs and about about Jin's character not being fully developed oh, right. and not being Let's just relatable. Drop it. I'm and just, I just getting mad. Yeah, I know exactly. This is what I'm saying. Like, dude, and I I just watched Rogue One like a week ago. I've been going back through all the movies leading up to uh, Rise of Skywalker, and I like Rogue One hit me so hard this last time I watched it. I was like an emotional disaster at yeah. the end of that movie. <laughs> I've seen it like ten times. Yeah, I've seen it like ten times, and I was like on the verge of tears three or four like different times that like even in like the middle of the movie, there was stuff happening that was getting to me emotionally. Uh, not even just the end scene that you're talking about, which is powerful. Um, so there's a, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, while we're on this tangent, I'm just going to throw this out there. Y you were saying about liking the idea of Luke being Snoke and you had this kind of elaborate theory in mind. There's a whole theory that goes back to return of the Jedi that if nobody's heard this, I'm going to throw this out there because you might enjoy doing a deep dive on this. Yeah, someday. I think I know what you're talking about. There's a about. whole fan theory about how Luke actually turns to the dark side at the end of Return of the Jedi. And that might sound crazy to you just thinking about it, but if you actually look at the theory and, and the different details that it lays out of uh, sort of hints of things throughout the movie, starting with Luke's first appearance in Jabba's palace, the door rises. He walks in wearing the exact outfit the Emperor is wearing later on. Essentially, he's got a black cloak on with a black hood over his over his face. He walks up to two guards who aren't even attacking him, and he proceeds to force choke them both. Um, <laughs> it's not really, really Jedi behavior in that scene. Then he walks into Jabba's throne room, threatens him, lies to him, and then tries to shoot him in the face with a blaster. Right. Uh, again. Not super strong Jedi behavior here. And all of this is coming on the heels of his his big failure at the end of Empire Strikes Back. So anyway, it, the, the theory continues. But like I would have been fine with if, if the new films had gone that direction. I actually think that probably would have made for something a bit more interesting than we got. Is, yeah. is just run with some wacky theory like that. Make I, Luke have, have, you know, completely rethink. I think that's what we going, saw in the original trilogy. I think that's sinking a probe and going a little too deep into something where in reality it was probably like George Lucas sitting down like okay I need to write this new Star Wars movie and like you know shoving his face full of Cheetos and he's like this would be really cool like I'm gonna have him be a total <laughs> total cool dude here and shoot this guy and do this <laughs> and and then and then you wind up with thousands of Star Wars geeks who are reading into a moment where totally. George Lucas was just like this is gonna be cool uh what I like to believe about this is that actually it wasn't Lucas. It was the, the filmmakers like the, you know, it was directed by uh, Richard Markind and it was written by a number of people. Uh, a bunch of people had their fingers in it. Lucas gets credit <laughs> for the overall story, but I kind of like the idea that like the director and maybe a couple of the producers like put these little like kind of subtle tweaks in the movie. Cause Lucas wasn't really like a big detail guy. He didn't really care about, a lot of this kind of stuff um and like he just like famously like lines of dialogue and stuff they'd get in you know, mark hamill would get in arguments with, with lucas about like dialogue and stuff and lucas would always just like shrug it off and say like it's just a movie uh, can you imagine 
if something leaked today about like Ryan Johnson on the set saying, don't worry guys, it's just a movie. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. he would have been uh, strung up, but um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but that's kind of what Lucas's attitude always was. And uh, anyway, I, so I like the idea that maybe somebody threw something like that in there, but regardless, this is all to say nostalgia stupid. <laughs> yeah. You love Luke Skywalker when you were a kid. So what? What would be what would it would be fun to watch a movie where Luke turned bad. That would be fun. Yeah, exactly. it doesn't ruin your childhood. Yeah, I'm off my soapbox and I'll answer the question now. The franchise more likely to attain a satisfying ending. is probably the Nuggets, to be honest. Oh, wow. <laughs> I, I, I don't th- now satisfying for me personally. I think I will be satisfied by the ending of Star Wars. I love Star Wars and it. It would take you know, a ridiculously bad movie for me to not like it. It's okay that you feel that way subjectively, but right. objectively, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So condescending. It's actually completely different than how you subjectively feel and stuff, <laughs> so... All right, Jeremy, we're introducing a new segment. Probably be the only time we do this segment, too. This is Star Wars Face Off. Oh, is it? Is it with? Is it with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage? <laughs> yes, it is. As Luke we're and now, Darth Vader. We're bringing a third piece of pop culture in. Yes. <laughs> Star Wars. No, Star Wars Ten, directed by John Woo. <laughs> All right, so in Star Wars Face Off, we're going to match Star Wars characters to NBA players. <laughs> Starting with yeah. Luke Skywalker. Um, so I was kind of basing this around timelines because we bring in some old characters and some new characters. Um, so, yeah, I like that. So the greatest hope to our franchise that I can remember was Carmelo Anthony. He is our Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, and I think that kind of fits because in the new, like Luke Skywalker, like really helped things out, but he never brought it the whole way. He helped rebalance things and bring hope, but he never brought it the whole way. So that's, that's my mellow. That's my story. What about you? I like it. Yeah. Um, I have Alex English. Oh, dang. and yeah. So I'm reaching back and this is actually, this is an era of Nuggets basketball that I am not familiar with. I was not a Nuggets fan when he was on the team. I was I was a kid uh, and wasn't watching Nuggets basketball. But if you go back and look at some of his numbers, he was a seven-time All-Star that averaged 26 points a game for the Nuggets in the <laughs> yeah. 11 years he was on the team. Like He was a legit great player uh, who, who really was a, a leader on this team and one of the all-time Nuggets greats. And I, I like the idea that that kind of harkens back to an older era of Nuggets basketball. It's kind of like, I mean, if you really want to get depressed, um, like kids that are in college right now were born during the prequels, you know? So like there's a whole generation of star Wars fans that grew up with the prequels being their original trilogy, uh-huh. sort of like they really connect with like, there's, a, there's not a few people who think that revenge of the Sith is the best star Wars movie of all time. <laughs> Like, it's not a small group of people. I know it sounds absurd to me and you uh, who go back to the to, to the generation before that. But uh, so much of this has to do with what you connect with when you're a kid. Uh-huh. And I think for any Nuggets fan, probably who who was a fan in the 80s, I'm sure, you know, those Doug Moe teams. I mean, Denver Stiffs is named after those those Doug Moe teams with uh, with Alex English and Kiki Vanderway and some of these guys uh, that run up and down the court and put up a bunch of points. So I'll, I'll reach back for Alex English. All right. I like it. And uh, the OG Nuggets fans can tell me if that's not the right person. <laughs> <the> right. <laughs> All right. On to the next one. Han Solo. All right. So Han Solo is my favorite character in Star Wars. That's silly. And Jokic is my favorite player. Oh, in the history of the Nuggets. Not only that, but I feel like Jokic, 
I so I debated putting Jokic as Luke Skywalker as Jedi Luke Skywalker, right? Jokic definitely has the force. Clearly. Like right. The passes that he makes can only be done if you have some sort of magical ability. And you can see beyond, you know, out of the back of your head. Right. Um, so it, it does make sense that you would put Jokic in as some sort of a Jedi. But I feel like his temperament is so much more Han Solo. Yeah. So much more just kind of like aloof. Kind of doesn't care. The whole galaxy is like, hey, we got to do something about the Empire. These guys are real bad. They're they're wrecking everything. And Han Solo is like, mm, uh, I'll take my money now. You know, like. Uh-huh. I think that's a little bit more how Jokic is. He doesn't really get too interested and involved in the larger drama going on. It doesn't seem to really care. So I'm going to, I'm going to put him as Han Solo. Yeah. I could definitely see their interviews going the same way. You know, <laughs> that's right. you ask, you ask him a straightforward question and he'll, he'll, he'll say something that is both not answering your question and also some way insulting you. So Right, we'll just watch a Harrison Ford interview. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we could do like a little YouTube cut cut up between the two. Yeah. Um. So for me, speaking if, of which, if, if also I, famously, I'm going to throw in another little tidbit. Harrison Ford famously really doesn't like Star Wars very much. Uh-huh. He's always been really funny and like cynical about it. So. Kind of like how Jokic doesn't like basketball or that much. <laughs> right. Ex- exactly. <laughs> it does seem like that half the time. Well, okay. So uh, for me, going with the timelines. Um, Han is a hired gun who, uh, doesn't take crap from anybody and is always the first to shoot. So for me, that's Kenyon Martin. That is the, the attitude setter for the mellow nuggets era. Um, fits perfectly for me. Interesting. I like it. Yeah, man. I forgot about Kenyon. Yeah. Those were good times, man. Those were fun teams. They were fun teams. Right. A lot of nostalgia on this podcast. I'm really feeling it. <laughs> nostalgia. Like it. Yeah. Intertwining with your Star Wars nostalgia. That can be a potent thing. Right. That's what I mean. Yeah. This is the nostalgia bomb right now for me. Awesome. All right. The next one might be controversial. Princess Leia. So for me, when I think of, of Leia, I think I thought it was so cool that was it uh, a new hope? Yeah, it was a new hope, wasn't it? Where it ends with Yoda saying, "There's another hope, like there's somebody else." Um, and yeah, that's uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yoda's yeah, Yoda comes in, in the second movie. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, um, so for me, that was uh, the breath of life that came into to the mellow era that made it feel like, oh my goodness, there is a new hope. Somebody else to handle the load was Chauncey Billups. So I'm giving it to Chauncey. Mm-hmm. Um, Leia was also a great leader. Uh, a very strong person and somebody who everybody looked up to, which Luke kind of wasn't. So to me, it it bodes well for Chauncey as as Leia and uh, Mello as Luke. Oh, I like that a lot. I'm going with Will Barton as Princess Leia. <laughs> I wonder if we can get him to wear some Leia, some Leia curls. I don't get this at all. Um, Explain. <laughs> okay. Well, I wasn't really thinking about reaching back into the past. I was thinking about current Nuggets players when sure. I was putting my list together for the most part. Um, so I was trying to think about who on the current team made the most sense. But the more I'm thinking about it, I do kind of like this. So Leia was a, a, a very headstrong and and definitely took charge. And she was really kind of like the de facto leader on this group, right? So when she jumps in in A New Hope and they save her out of the jail cell, she pretty much just takes charge and she's with a bunch of uh, people. She doesn't even really, really know and just sort of takes over. And I think, I feel like Barton has been that kind of a vocal leader okay. to this team this year. And in, in a very important way on a team with, with Jokic and Murray, um, two guys who aren't so much, especially not Jokic. Uh, and, and, and Leia still has, has that, you know, sort of uncanny, like, like force ability that I, I feel like we're seeing out of Will Barton Ooh. this year as well too like he he's got a really well-rounded game uh he he he's been able to kind of do a little bit of everything f- for the nuggets and he's you know really been their most consistent performer and i think in the same way that leia's character has really been kind of a consistent like rock of virtue throughout the mm-hmm. the series so okay i could see it 
So continuing All with right. female characters, give us your Ray. All right, my Ray is Jamal Murray. Um, he is somebody who has a lot of talent and had a lot of talent at a very young age, but he's still kind of raw a bit. And I think there's still a lot more potential there. Now I'm assuming in rise of Skywalker, we're going to see a lot more of Ray's potential. She's going to be trained as a, like a full Jedi and we'll see her you know, mm-hmm. in all of her, her wondrous Jedi powers. I'm sure. Uh, and it may take Jamal Murray a little bit longer um to develop his full jedi powers but i really i feel like he can be the sort of ah, savior is not the right way to put it i mean Jokic is definitely the the best player on the team but i i feel like murray can be the more kind of intangible superstar um and and the the guy who can sort of hit the magical threes you know in a, in a playoff series or or lead them in scoring, that kind of thing. Okay. So for me, if if Melo is the Luke, the great hope of the last generation, then Jokic is the Ray, the great hope of this generation. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, the one person that can push an entire storyline, that's that's Jokic. Um, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right, who do you have as Master Yoda? So for Yoda... This was a bit of an interesting one for me. I had to think of of what Yoda kind of represented. Of, um, he kind of he he represented the 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 ethos for everybody to get behind. Um, he was wise. He was um, for me. He was kind of the cornerstone that everything else was built on. So. Um, so I'm going with, and he's the older generation, so it's going to be from the mellow generation. So I'm going with Marcus Camby here because oh, interesting. he was kind of the wall and he was, he was here before mellow was. So it, it was kind of like mm-hmm. you have, you have Camby come in who can represent a, uh, an identity in a way, at least defensively. And, and then you have this star, this young budding star who just kind of comes into what's already there, an ethos that's already there. And not that not that we had like a defensive ethos. It's the wrong way of looking at it, but at least a, a cornerstone for everything else to be built around. So uh, Kimmy's my Yoda. What about you? Yeah, my Yoda is Michael Malone. Oh. Um, yeah, he's kind of looks like him a little bit. <laughs> I don't know why. Something about the ears. Like, does he have big ears? I don't know. When I was thinking about this, for some reason, it like he kind of reminded me of him. Uh huh. Um, the kind of baldness. Maybe. Yeah, and he's a little short too. But, I mean, in comparison to NBA players, I suppose uh, anybody looks short. Any normal person, but um, you see him stand next to Jokic or something. He looks like the little the little guy next to the Jedi. Um, and you know he's the he's the grand old old master here. Um, and believes in uh defense first just like yoda who said that a jedi uses the force only for knowledge and defense never for attack like malone definitely values defense over over offense as well mm-hmm. and he is leading a group of of young talented people okay so if this is a good one if <laughs> malone is yoda then who is baby yoda oh this one's my favorite. It's Michael Porter Jr. Obviously. What? Oh what? yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Everyone is in love with Baby Yoda, right? Oh, okay. Like if you right, Baby Yoda's on the screen for like two minutes an episode, and everybody just starts screaming at the TV the second he comes on, right? Okay. I shouldn't say everybody. I start screaming at the TV the second he's he's <laughs> on. <laughs> And my wife and I, uh, you know, have, have, have a moment and start shrieking and he instantly, whatever he does instantly becomes a a meme and gets spread all over online. This is Michael Porter Jr. Not to mention the fact that baby Yoda can use the force. He's got this uncanny, just natural ability that he hasn't even ever, he's never even trained. Like this is just a little, it's a little baby who just goofs around and can pick up huge, like animals with the force, right? This is Michael Porter Jr. He's a baby who has 
unlimited potential, ridiculous talent, and is instantly like everybody's focus, right? When he's on the floor, we're all watching Michael Porter Jr. We're all obsessed with him. He's 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 much more of a popular figure than, you know, honestly, Nuggets players that are better than him at the moment, but because of his potential. And so I think he's the perfect choice for Baby Yoda. Okay. So on my end, if uh if Camby was the the fabric or or the the glue of the old generation, then for me, uh Millsap is is the baby Yoda. He's the he's <laughs> the guy who's taken over. So so I I I'm definitely basing this not off of the actual characteristics of Baby Yoda, but the the context in the timeline of things. Um gotcha. Yeah. Millsap yeah. in some ways kind of unlocks um the the true power that's there you know you look back at our team before Millsap and you look at the way everything's able to gel defensively and even offensively with Millsap there um and that's that's what a cornerstone or a fabric a glue is supposed to be able to do so yeah I'm going with that totally all right I like it all right who do you got for Chewbacca Chewbacca is uh this this is fitting in many ways. I think it, it, to me, it, it's Nene. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> if there's anybody to kind of stand there with a microphone on their face and not really do much, except maybe let out a little growl or something like that, it's it's Nene. And and he also represents a guy who was kind of on and off, in and out, um, and just kind of played second fiddle to everything, but was incredibly strong and powerful the entire way through. Um, so if he's there, he's strong and powerful. If he's not there, then obviously there's nothing he can impact in any way, shape, or form. And that's Nene. I like it. I, I have similar lines of reasoning. And just as Chewbacca was a dog man, <laughs> I'm going with Chris Birdman Anderson. Oh, I had Birdman. I, I erased yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's disgusting thinking, though. Yeah. I didn't arrive at it like that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't either. I just thought of it just now. But <laughs> um, he also, because he was he was a second fiddle, but he was a guy who always showed up, right? He always gave you energy, you know, and he was tall and long. Yeah. And, you know, just seemed like kind of the, the biggest guy out on the court when he was playing because he was he was a high flyer. Yeah. But- it's like Chewie is also a high flyer, in a, in a manner <sighs> of speaking. Good pilot, you know? Disgusting. Um. <laughs> plus birdman anderson just looked like an animal yeah Literally, the completely. tattoos the, the hair just all of it yeah yeah there's there's a lot of uh connections between those two characters um easy to see so um flipping into the new generation who is your poe <sighs> i struggled with this one um i'm gonna go with antonio mcdice and I think that's because McDice was a guy who had a lot of talent and, you know, came in and sort of instantly became the kind of leader of the team, but he, he really wasn't, wasn't really ready yet. And he, he put up a lot of numbers, did a lot of flashy things, kind of like Poe, he's, you know, kind of the hero of the battles and, you know, can take down a bunch of TIE fighters and stuff like that. But in Last Jedi, Poe had to learn how to be a leader. And I think Antonio McDice was kind of in that same position. Unfortunately, injuries derailed him and i kind of think that poe might die in the new movie too so that's just a total guess i haven't heard any that's not a spoiler um but i think it's likely that somebody like poe could could be killed in the final installment in some sort of heroic sacrifice and uh that would be a fitting parallel to mcdice whose career was tragically derailed by injury i really like that last point i think I think that's at least for for me. And when I started watching the NBA, um, that it was kind of like McDice's storyline or, or nutshell. And so I think that that would be a, an interesting connection there. So I I went with uh, if we're talking about the new age, um, a fighter pilot who's agile, quick, uh, a little testy, um, always good for a quick line or something like that. I, I went with Jamal Murray. I think yeah. He he's the guy who would fill those shoes and be zipping and zapping in and uh and probably like the best you get the best lines out of Poe probably in the movie. Um kind of like a new age Han Solo in a way. So Yeah, totally. Yeah, I'm not gonna dwell on it. Yeah, I like it. I like the way you did your list better. 
<laughs> the well, old I like new. how you brought in older generation. Yeah. I almost started doing that um, because we're talking about the Nuggets in general. So it's good that they get some respect. Yeah, no, totally. I'm glad we went there. Um, all right, what about Finn? Finn? Uh, so Finn is a guy <laughs> who uh, is just like an idiot to me. Like, honestly, <laughs> I think the these movies would be better without him in it at all. He's oh. just stealing time from from either another character who would be more entertaining or from me who would be able to get out of the movie five minutes earlier. <laughs> and so to me, that's that's Malik Beasley. That's that's the guy that that when he screws up, he does it in like a pretty obvious, loud way. You know, a blown assignment is kind of what I'm thinking or just something that's just like, what are you doing? And, and then you throw in, you know, I guess Finn has some great moments. Um, obviously, Beasley's been able to deliver um, with a lethal three-point shot like that. He's and, and his athleticism, he's had some big plays that makes everybody fall in love with him. But, you know, just as more plays than anybody else that are absolutely boneheaded. So that's that's Finn in my eyes. Yeah. What, what about you? I like that. I Okay, this is a totally different direction. Um, so I went with Chauncey Billups for this one. Hear me out. Okay. Finn was a stormtrooper to start the story and then became a good guy. Chauncey Billups was a piston. And Uh I hated the pistons when I was growing up. Right. Like it comes from the old bad boy pistons or whatever. The pistons Thomas always the bad guys. Right. Yeah. Isaiah Thomas, uh-huh. that whole crew. Right. Like I hate I just have always hated the Pistons to this day. And then the, and then the, the, the Rashid Wallace crew, all that stuff like they were they were yeah. good, but they still kind of continued on that same lineage. Just always a really hateable kind of team, I think. Um, And so Chauncey Billups was part of that whole crew. Then he came came home. He came back to Denver and joined the good guys and became a, a real team player. And he, of course, he was from from Denver. Um, So this is a wild oversimplification uh of of kind of what happened oh, that's here. good but um that's good i like that yeah but that that was kind of what i had in in mind for finn was that he goes from this kind of villain to being a hero and we'll see what finn does in the new movie i have a feeling he'll have some pretty heroic moments in the way that chauncey did in in our uh they gotta you know, do something with years him. in the playoff runs so yeah but my the easiest heroic moment would be for him to die in the first scene of the movie he would be my hero. <laughs> oh my goodness, you hate Finn. Yeah, it's a waste well, of time. All right, but let's let's wrap up. We've at got, least we can all agree that Ray is absolutely perfect in every way. I demand perfection. <laughs> um, that's why I'm a Nuggets fan. Just doesn't make any sense. Um, so, last of our heroes from Star Wars, who is your Obi Wan Kenobi? All right. My Obi-Wan is Paul Millsap. Nice. A, he's old. So <laughs> that was kind of an easy choice. He's younger than we are. That was kind of an easy choice, right? Yeah, I, shut up. <laughs> he's old on this team. He feels old. He feels way older than me. Um, I know he he's does. Not, but that's how it feels. Even his personality. Uh, yeah, he's very sage-like. Maturity. Right? Doesn't say a whole lot. He's a very mature guy. Takes it all in stride. But still has some sort of wizardy powers at times. He comes up with some pretty magical steals. Uh, his his three point shooting has been literally otherworldly this year. Uh, I can't that can't continue. It's been absurdly good, but but he's there for you when you need the uh, the big shot, and he'll sacrifice for you when you when you need that to happen too. Okay. So um, obviously, wisdom is what we're gonna roll with here um, in old age. Um, so I'm going with Andre Miller, my favorite Denver Nugget. Oh, I like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you you look back at at Mello, and I, I could totally envision a scene where Mello does something stupid, and Andre Miller takes the ball from him and shows him this is how you do it in like a very calm and instructional way, and it's exactly <laughs> the role that Obi Wan Kenobi had with Luke. So, um, yeah, it, and. I was this was the easiest one for me out of all of them. And that made it even better because Andre Miller, I could just talk about all night long. So happy to bring him into the fold as, you know, maybe 
maybe the greatest Star Wars character, one of the greatest in Obi-Wan. Pretty great. And if you haven't heard and or if our fans haven't heard or listeners, I should say, they're not our fans, to be honest, Um, (laughs) people that listen to the show. (laughs) They're at least equals Um, to us, if not like more. We're fans of them, whatever. All the stars who listen to our show. (laughs) Um, But there will be an Obi-Wan series on Disney Plus starring Ewan McGregor. Oh, wow. That's coming in a a year or two. Oh, that's that awesome. That has been officially confirmed. That's yeah. like the only surefire thing that they've been able to do. If you're able to do a TV series yeah, and good. lock up Ewan McGregor, that, like, oh, I can't wait. That's awesome. Yep. Yep. It's going to be great. Wait, now I do want to say one thing about Star Wars, though. <sighs> One I'm thing. Say, I'm saying a you lot of things say about, one Star thing about Star Wars. I want to say I want to say one more thing, and that's that. I want people to appreciate how unique Star Wars is in our culture, because with these big epic fantasy stories, we almost always are dealing with stories that are based on books. So people already know, like the big fans already know what the endings are, or they already know kind of what the main sort of themes are going to be. And Star Wars is so different that way because every time a movie comes out, that's what sets the lore. And so you get these very like visceral reactions to things in the way that like Lord of the Rings doesn't provide. Yeah, it's like it's a part of our cultural fabric today. But the cool thing about it is it's not based on old myths that are all completed. It's literally like a, a, a cultural fabric that's being made as we go. And and that is cool.